Hi, I'm Aisty, and welcome to Let's Chat Cash, a podcast about women and their money. Each episode is a frank and open discussion with one woman about her personal relationship with her money. My hope is that by having these conversations, we can break down some of the stigma of talking about money and empower each other as women to take more control over our finances. This episode is a conversation with Chloe Bridge. At the age of 24, Chloe became unexpectedly pregnant, which forced her and her partner Sam to make some seriously big life changes. We talked about the reality of living off one salary with a baby. She freaked me out with real childcare costs. And we discussed the emotional impact of being in debt. Stick around to the end for my more money section, where I'll be sharing something from the personal finance world, which I found helpful, and I think you might too. But first, I started off by asking Chloe how she makes money online as a micro-influencer. I have one of those convoluted multi-hyphen careers, I guess you would say. Um, So I'm a blogger um, and I also create content for brands, which always sounds a bit wanky when I say it. (laughs) We're now to swear. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a podcast, aren't you? It always makes me sound a little bit silly. Um, So I make videos, um, write articles, product photography. Um, I'm also a somewhat lapsed family photographer, um, but that was quite prominent in my career a few years ago. And yeah, I just basically will do anything creative for money. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, So how did you like get into that? How did it start? Uh, I guess it started with the blogging. It's kind of been my springboard for everything else. That's how brands find me. Um, It's sort of like my talking CV in a way. And how did you start your blog? I was on maternity leave with my first baby um, and I was feeling quite isolated and I wanted a creative outlet. And did you think at that time that it would be something that could have like a monetary value laced down the line or? No, absolutely not. At that point in time, I don't think anyone was earning money from blogging. This was 2010. Um, It was only maybe two or three years after that when the sort of potential kind of appeared and then in the years following that just exploded into something entirely different. Back in the day, it was just me. I, I sometimes wouldn't even put photographs in which now is unheard of with blogging because blogging's are sort of like magazines now aren't they but back then it was literally just it was more of a journal so an online journal so you're just writing your thoughts and um it was quite a sort of lot more of an honest way of uh kind of blogging actually (laughs) it is now not as in don't mean honest like I'm not being honest now but it was a more kind of just truer form Mm. did it feel almost like a little bit more anonymous like no no not um Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I wouldn't say anonymous. I felt like I, in those days, I blogged a lot more personally than I do mm. now. Oh, so now um, I won't intentionally withhold things, but mm. I'll write more to be engaging and to be relatable to a wider audience. Whereas before it was like, this is what's worrying me this week. This is, it was kind of my venting. It was right. like, this is what's going on in our lives. This is what we had for breakfast. <laughs> Not in that much detail, but you know, it was more of a, yeah, like an online diary. Mm. And can you remember the first, um, I guess, bit of paid work that came from that? I remember the first thing I was sent to review, but there was no money that exchanged hands. Right. Um, and that was, I think, a pair of toddler shoes. I don't actually remember the first genuine paid work which is a bit weird. I don't know why I don't remember it. Um, Yeah, but there's been a lot more since then. Mm. And is the main way that I guess you earn money 
now like obviously through creating stuff for brands but do you do anything that like adverts on your website or I don't really do ads on my website I know you can place adverts in sidebars and things Um, I don't do much of that the main thing that I'll do on my own blog is publish um, like a sponsored article or a a campaign where I've been paid to kind of promote something Um, that's the main form of advertising on the actual blog but actually a lot of my paid work comes from creating stuff for brands to put on their own channels rather than on mine so you often don't even see it when you look at my blog which is quite nice because I still get to keep it as my own little personal reflection space rather than a big like branded (laughs) kind of thing um but yeah I'd say probably about 60% of my paid work goes on either other brands YouTube content mm-hmm. or Facebook video um, or product photography. Mm, okay. So going back to when you first um, started, you said it took quite a while to for it to, I guess, be lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, you're, I guess, you're on maternity. You did you ha- you had to make quite a difficult decision about whether or not to go back, right? To my to, previous yeah. job. Yeah, um, actually, it wasn't really a decision um, because um, I very much had the classic they didn't really want me to return situation. Um, I asked for flexible work um, and the request was denied. The hours didn't suit um, having a child and nursery pickups. The money I was earning was only £100 over like after childcare so weighing it all up I mean I would have gone back even with it only being that little bit over because it's a career decision not Mm -hmm. just a how much money am I earning decision but they I I was left with no option Mm -hmm. really and so yeah it took almost the whole year to get to that stage where I was like hey I'm definitely not going back Mm -hmm. and then yeah I had to kind of start again or go down a new path Mm -hmm. Um, and I spent quite a long time job seeking Mm -hmm. this was right after the recession so it's post-recession job market plus young baby and there weren't loads of opportunities available that would suit so that kind of yeah didn't really work out too well Um, and then that's when the family photography stuff came into it so I decided right I'm just going to work for myself uh, try and make money in any way I can so I set up my family photography business um, and that went for a good probably three or four years and then the blogging stuff kind of took over and so when it was I guess the time where you're kind of still starting everything at that point like was did was it quite difficult now to go from a place where you're both two young people because obviously mm. you're in a relationship you're a single mum and yeah. to now have to like manage on I guess I'm, I'm assuming mainly one person's salary. When... Yeah, it, it was really hard because um, we were we were young, so we were 25 and 24 respectively. So pretty much fresh out of uni on on graduate starter yeah. salaries. I think Sam was earning just somewhere between 25 and 30k, and obviously I was earning nothing. Gosh. And we live in London. <laughs> Um, the benefit that we had was that we kind of knew we might end up in that situation. So when we we, we bought our place when I was pregnant and we made sure that we didn't go over a budget. So we weren't budgeting our mortgage on two salaries. We were very much, what can we afford to pay mm-hmm. if the worst happens right. and I don't go back to work? 
Um, but even managing on the one salary um, was very difficult. And although we could pay our mortgage, we kind of didn't factor in all the costs that come with the house when things go wrong, right. which obviously they do. And that kind of made a big dent in our, well, we didn't have any savings. It all was just debt at that point. And we had a good few years where we were just spiralling more and more into debt because we couldn't afford our basic costs. We'd pay our mortgage, we'd get our groceries, and then there was no money for anything else. So every month we had to pay out for something else. We were just eating into credit cards, so it wasn't a sustainable way of living at all. So I guess fast forward to now, from then, you're in quite a different financial situation. Mm -hmm. Obviously, your work is, you know, more, I guess, able to pay for a bit. I have a salary now. I mean, it's not much. It's an average, I think it's probably an average part-time salary, Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously that does help. And since then, Sam's changed job um, and he's worked hard and kind of, yeah, we've got ourselves into a more comfortable position, so we're no longer in debt. Um, it's still taken a good few years to get to a point where we can actually say every month we can set aside something to save. Mm. Like that's only happened really in the last year. Wow. Mm. And so, how does I guess going through these different like seasons in your finances mm. um, affect how you kind of think and spend about money now having been at a time where it wasn't so I guess easy yeah uh, to be honest I'm not I'm I feel like we were better because we had to think about it we were better with our with managing our money when it really mattered and now we've kind of relaxed a bit and we're like yeah we'll have a takeaway or you know I don't think twice about if I need a new foundation I'll just go and get it Mm -hmm. whereas back in the day I was like washing my hair with cheap body wash I I refused (laughs) to buy anything my role like after maternity leave and during maternity leave I saw my role very much as do not spend any money over basic (laughs) needs so you know I wouldn't go and get a coffee or anything like that which obviously made it quite hard to socialize when you're on maternity leave and basically all mums do is go and meet up for a coffee Mm -hmm. um whereas now yeah we've kind of relaxed those rules quite a bit um I don't always feel a need to kind of know exactly what my bank balance is Mm -hmm. which kind of brings its own problems (laughs) and you know that feeling when you log on to your bank and you're just like I don't want to know what this figure is because I'm (laughs) have a feeling it's going to be bad um so yeah I feel like the best thing would be to have the attitude we had then with the money we have now um maybe I should actually take my advice on and (laughs) do this it's hard though isn't it because I don't know I guess well when you don't have to then Mm. what in a way it's like almost why I mean we do have to like you know we're not that comfortable we do yeah still I mean have you don't to. have to have body sh- like shower gel for your hair yeah now. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think the main thing is the spiral of debt isn't the same so mm. so back then we were just so far in there was no way we were going to get out unless mm. Sam got a massive pay rise or what actually mm. happened was we moved house and we took equity out and paid all our debt off right which by that point was quite a lot like double double figures so now the the amount of debt because you know we still do use our credit cards Mm. but we know that we can pay it off Mm. so that's the difference so that I think then makes you less careful about it Mm -hmm. in a way like how did you go about knowing that you like moving and taking money out from your house like that that was even an option because one of the things I find so interesting is that I feel like 
so much financial education is not that straightforward it's not yeah, like really we don't know it yeah. yeah it was a big learning curve for us we we didn't know so uh, we for ages we couldn't move house because um when we applied for the mortgage in our first place we applied with my salary because i hadn't left my job yet sam's salary um, and then obviously afterwards having a baby and one salary our mortgage um what do you call it like the loan to ratio or yeah, what the, the amount that they're lending? prepared to loan right. us, whatever that term yeah. is, was much lower than it had been before. Right. So for ages we were, you know, not able to move, um, which we kind of figured would happen anyway, so it wasn't a big deal. And on top of this, we had all this debt and we knew that every time we applied for a mortgage that would come up on the credit rating. Um, and actually it was speaking to Sam's cousin, um, who I think is a mortgage advisor, or he works for a bank mm -hmm. and he said have you thought about taking the debt money out of your equity right. and paying it off mm. and we hadn't even realized that was a thing we'd assumed we would have to have paid it off before we applied for a new mortgage but actually something that a lot of banks offer is if you agree I will pay this debt off in the house move mm. then it kind of oh, right. I didn't neutralizes everything what's possible yeah so that made a big difference for us we were like great we can move house now <laughs> and actually now we're you know debt free mm. and kind of yeah as I said at the first point we're able to actually start saving mm. um so yeah although it wasn't amazing that we lost a bit of equity having to pay that off before that point we couldn't even see mm. a way out of it mm. um and i think yeah that with the whole buying houses thing that it is just a learning curve and there's so much that you don't know until you're doing it yeah definitely and i just find it quite interesting like the the like emotional aspects tied to money like having been somewhere where you were you said you felt like your role was literally to mm. not spend anything do you now spending i don't know like on a holiday or like something a bit bigger do you ever feel like any element of like uh like anxiety or anything mm. around bigger spend like guilt yeah um i think sam my partner does a lot more than me i'm the one who's like oh should we just go on a holiday that'd be <laughs> nice wouldn't it Let's treat ourselves um yeah i'm not very good at that but i do feel like having been in that place where i didn't i couldn't spend anything didn't want to that was so depressing mm. it was like really just sad and depressing time of life and i just felt really stuck mm. um so i definitely appreciate that i don't feel like that anymore and i kind of feel like you know there's that saying my parents always said it to me as a child money doesn't make you happy mm. and yeah that's true if you're talking about like a billionaire but <laughs> enough money to make you comfortable in life mm. it it does make a difference mm. to your like to your mental health yeah. so i felt guilty that i couldn't moan that i was sad because we had no money mm. because of that saying right. so you just put up with it and get on with it you just you know it's that british thing of like well, i'm not going to say anything i'm not going to actually tell people how i actually feel mm. um and yeah that's something i've learned in the last couple of years now that we're much more comfortable just how much like of a weight off my shoulders it feels and we're still not really at a stage where we can afford holidays really i mean mm. it depends if you're talking camping in cornwall yes <laughs> but you know anything abroad we still have to save considerably it's a, it's a considerable <clears throat> kind of do we feel like we can afford this sort of thing and how do you so how do you manage your kind of uh i guess spending as a family do you like pool everything and then divide up or like cause i always find that really interesting <laughs> with couples like how yeah, um, how to do it 
it's kind of funny because we don't actually have a joint bank account. We never have. Um, I have limited funds of my own um but generally we actually do all our spending on the credit card and pay it off pay the balance off every month because that gives us points towards air miles sam travels a lot with his work so he gets air miles anyway and then we contribute by paying with the card and we get more air miles so every now and then we get a free flight somewhere so that's kind of how we've always operated so the credit card is sort of our joint account i see um but i do see all of our funds are pulled. Like, if I've got spare cash, I will pay for something. Mm-hmm. If Sam's got it, he'll pay for something. We don't have, like, his money and my money. And any massive purchases are always talked about between us. You don't really have, like, a, like, budget for, like, life. We do... Well, for, like, kind of monthly expenses. Yeah, do you, like, set yourself at the start? Like, okay, we're going to spend this on this. Or is it a bit more relaxed? We have a basic monthly kind of outgoings and how much we know we will spend. Um, it used to be a lot tighter. So we'd be like, with groceries, we're not going to spend over £40 a week. Whereas now, it, it we don't really pay as much attention to mm. that side of things. And with the savings, it's sort of like, if we can save x amount every month as our lowest amount Mm. then that's what we'll do yeah so we have a basic structure but it's not as strictly adhered to as it had to once be yeah and what about you're getting married yeah we're getting married so how have you like approached i guess planning for that as a big financial kind of outlet this was something that we wanted to wait to do because obviously we had an unplanned pregnancy with my first child and everyone said when we announced we were pregnant, they were like, so are you going to get married? And we were adamant that we did want to do it, but we didn't want to rush into it when we had no money. We wanted to do it later and have the big party and have everyone we wanted there. Mm. But obviously that meant that we needed to be able to afford it. So for a long time, we were just like, that's on the back burner. Mm. We can't even imagine ever being able to afford a wedding. Mm. Um, And then about two years ago, Sam said, I think we could probably reach for it now if we wanted to well not now but like in a couple of years yeah um so we started looking into it how much it would all cost and it was a mixture it's a mixture of our own money we've been very lucky to have some money from family as well and again we've taken a bit more equity out of our house <laughs> this house <laughs> is not, like a magic house sounding great is it i don't i don't recommend this i mean we live in london in, in an area that is rapidly growing um, in terms of house prices and so I think we took out Mm 10,000 from the house which Mm -hmm. by the time we've had the wedding Mm. we will have made up Mm. in the house price yeah if not more Mm. so well I mean we can't just continue to take equity out (laughs) otherwise we we will have no pension (laughs) or anything um yeah that's not a good way to go guys Um, (laughs) but uh, yeah, for this, we decided it was worth doing. Mm. And I think this is now the last time <laughs> we will touch the house money. <laughs> um, and you mentioned just briefly a bit about, like, pension. Do you think about that much? And, like, ha- do you have, like, a plan for retirement? Yeah, yet? so Sam has a pension fund that he pays into through his work. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff... So we have health insurance, life insurance, and the pension, and it's all through Sam's work. Were we left to do this ourselves, we'd probably be in that situation where we're still going, yeah, we should probably look into that. (laughs) But because his work are quite good with that, it's all kind of sorted for us. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I have to say, I haven't actually sat down and worked out the figures of like, well, how much does this leave us when we retire? Mm. That still feels a little bit far off to kind of go into. Um, But as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, I probably should, shouldn't I? I don't know. We'll probably just be working till we're like 80 anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because the whole landscape, what's it going to be like then? You know, what sort of jobs are going to be available once I kind of go back into the work mm. market mm. if I decide to do that I just don't know yet there's so many unknowns yeah um but we do pay a little bit every month um and it I feel good that we have that tick yeah at least but, yeah <laughs> I feel like a lot of our like generation or friends are just like are quite skeptical of pensions in general mm. like I don't think not everyone I speak to had like pay into a pension yeah, kind of thing no. oh will it even exist well I think there's two factors to it I think one it's we don't quite know how they work and what the benefits are mm. and the other one is like I don't know many people who can afford to take to sacrifice their salary to yeah. pay towards a pension along with everything else yeah. that needs to be paid for so yeah I think there's those two kind of factors running side by mm. side and the combination just means that yeah it gets overlooked and same with life insurance like I don't know many people with life insurance we have it because of the kids Mm. but if it was just me and Sam we wouldn't get life insurance yes I I, we do have life insurance but only because we've got a mortgage so it's like if one of us dropped down dead we'd be able to both pay could you cover it yeah but if I was just living life (laughs) yeah but even then I mean this is a really Mm. morbid discussion but you could sell up and yeah, buy exactly. somewhere in a cheaper area or do something different. Whereas with the kids, it's like, if one of us goes, we need to have the security of the house right. and someone to be able to take time off maybe to mm. help the kids, mm. which means we really need the mortgage to be covered. Yeah. So it kind of becomes a lot more serious when yeah. you're thinking about all these like eventualities. Oh, sure. And what about, so you said you, obviously your first child was like an unpranned surprise. Yeah. yeah. And delight. <laughs> when it's come to your second two, I'm just interested because obviously I don't have children at all. Mm. Do you do a, like, like a save up financially for like having a new kid or is the difference money wise not that different from one to two? Like I've got literally no yeah, idea. Yeah, it depends on what your job is. I, in a way, although I feel bad that, I didn't, like, I feel in a way all my choices work-wise were taken away from me. Mm. But the other side of that that I can now see in hindsight after a few years is that I didn't have to weigh up those decisions because I was already, you know, earning the bare minimum in my self-employed work slashed unemployed when I didn't have a job Mm. for a little while. I didn't have to worry about childcare costs and how much that comes out of my salary and then having a second child, which is where people have to think about this a lot generally because mm-hmm. usually you can afford one childcare cost right. but two when you're working is you know so for a lot of people that's going to be completely unreachable right. so yeah I, I didn't really have those considerations for me it was well I'm already looking after one child mm-hmm. I can look after another one uh, we weren't planning at that stage for me to go and get a salaried job mm-hmm. so I didn't have the childcare thing right so so what consider. is how much is childcare then? This always scares me. But it really tell varies. Me. <laughs> um, Otto, my youngest, is at the childminder, and that's forty pounds a day. But I've been told that's quite cheap for London. Most nurseries, I think, are somewhere between fifty and sixty. How long's a day? day? Eight till six. Okay, so it's quite a long time. Yeah. 
So, but then that like times how many? How many <laughs> days? So, so it's quite a lot. But yeah, do you get any like vouchers from Sam's work? Do they? Uh, there is a childcare voucher scheme. Mm. Yeah, so you get I think a hundred and twenty pounds. Um, a week I think it is a week or a month tax free Mm -hmm. towards it and there's a new scheme now which is I think the government give you vouchers towards it Um, so you get a tiny bit of a a rebate or whatever you'd call it yeah yeah Um, but essentially yeah you're looking at probably over a thousand a month for childcare for us back when we Mm. had my first Mm. The benefits cap was twenty five k. So if if your combined earnings are twenty five k, you don't get any extra support, and we were just over it. Wow. So that's why it was so difficult yeah. because we weren't entitled to any extra help, but we weren't exactly earning a load more that made mm. it easy for us. So we were mm. kind of that squeezed middle. Yeah. Um. And annoyingly, that cap um came into play. That was, I think. It was 2010, which was when the Tories came in and they cut a load of benefits. So I was getting um, some kind of child tax benefit Mm. and they cut that literally in the first year. And then, yeah, it was nothing. Thinking a little bit about your kids and like their future and stuff. Are there any big things that you would want to pay for them? We're both planning to get married. Um, I'm like, we're paying for our wedding ourself and you mm. you are doing most of it yourself but like a lot of other like people I guess their parents will like pay for their wedding but yeah. I don't know it, obviously for me it's imaginary if I had imaginary children I don't know if I would pay you for would. their wedding yeah what, what do you think are there anything like weddings or uni or anything that you would actually want to I'd pay rather for? contribute to house deposit mm. than a wedding mm. so if I had one option of where I would give them money, that would be it. The uni thing I'm kind of sticking my head in the sand about <laughs> because I I don't know how we will afford that right now. Um, the costs are just getting more astronomical mm. and I haven't priced it up because it feels a long way off. Mm. Um, but if it's going in the trajectory that it currently is, it's just going to get more expensive. Yeah. So I think we're, I think our plan, Sam kind of, thinks about this more than me but <laughs> I think our plan is a mixture of potentially downsizing for uni mm. for maybe the younger two mm. and also sort of investing in some shares mm. um, and hoping that pans out mm. <laughs> it is mad isn't it because we didn't really have this like well I don't know did your parents have to pay towards your uni because my mine didn't it was yeah I think you were in a slightly different situation mm. weren't you um my parents had to pay tuition fees, right. which I think at that point was 3000 a year. Oh, so it's still actually quite considerable. Yeah, but then by the time my sister was a good few years younger than me, by the time she went to uni, those costs had shot up. And I'm not even sure what my mum had to pay for her at that point, but I know it was more than right. the kind of £1,000 a term. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. um, we had... That was tuition fees and then we had accommodation. Mm. So my parents paid my accommodation mm-hmm. and my tuition fees they paid part of and some of it came out of my student loan. Right, I see. Because um, I guess you do have that option but then you're not left with much to live on, yeah. are you? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think I would 
possibly like my kids to have a job at that point because mm. I think that's a good thing mm. at uni yeah. have a job pay some of it yourself yeah so I think I would do it a bit that way but I literally have no idea how much it will cost oh my God. when they get to uni <laughs> I that. yeah I'd like them to have the option though so it's something we'll start thinking about I mean we've still got more than 10 years so if it's a 10 year plan we've got a couple of years leeway before we have to think seriously about yeah, that yeah it's ages Chloe's blog is called Sorry About the Mess and as well as parenting and family stuff, she has some amazing interior design photography which I always love pouring over. I'll link it in the show notes along with her Instagram and Twitter handle. So now it's time for my more money section. This is where I'll be sharing something from the world of personal finance which I found handy and I think you might too. This week it's a new book I've been reading called Money, A User's Guide and it's by Laura Waitley. Laura is a consumer columnist for The Times and a freelance journalist specialising in money matters. The book is a really practical guide to your personal finances and covers everything from housing, pensions, stocks and shares and money in relationships. I found the chapter on investing and pensions particularly interesting and since reading it I have reconsidered how I'm managing my own pension. The section on money and love is also really insightful and covers some of the conversations you might want to have if you're thinking of buying together as a couple and aren't married. How do you protect yourself financially if the worst should happen and you guys break up? One of the examples that I found particularly interesting was a dilemma which had been written into her on her column where someone was moving in with their partner who already owned the property that they would be living in. The question was whether or not she should pay him rent as technically the boyfriend who owned the property would financially benefit from her contributions in rent as it would be kind of paying off part of his mortgage which is a type of investment which he could potentially profit from in the future should they not stay together. I'd be really interested in your thoughts on this topic. Is this situation financially fair? Have you found yourself in a similar situation? And if so, how did you navigate it? Get in touch with at Let's Chat Cash on Twitter. If you spot something you'd like me to talk about in the next More Money segment, do drop me a line either on Twitter or I'll put all my contact details in the show notes, along with a link to Laura's book. Next week's episode is with Jazz Rabadia, MBE. That's right, she has an actual MBE. Jazz is Senior Manager of Energy and Initiatives at Starbucks Coffee Company and is responsible for managing their energy, water and recycling practices across Europe, Middle East and Africa. She was awarded this Royal Honours for her services to the energy sector. She told me the incredible story of how she got her first break in sustainability whilst working on Sainsbury's supermarket checkout, the influence being a second generation immigrant has had on her spending habits and creating a joint savings contract with her boyfriend when they were just 21. So I had enough, but I I wanted him to also have enough Mm -hmm. so that if we ever were to get there... It wouldn't just be me bringing it. Yeah. And I knew that he would need that kind of nudge of Mm -hmm. encouragement. So it was like, do what you want with the rest of your money, but make sure that £200 is coming to me. So Mm. at the end of the day, if we broke up, we had a contract written. Wow, did you? Yeah. Wow. Just a Word document. Yeah. And a statement that I used to send him every month. (laughs) Oh my God, Jazz. Just to say, this is how much is in the fund. Uh, You're entitled to 50% of it. Amazing. And so if we ever broke up, he'd, you know... Worst case scenario, he'd get to go on a commiseration holiday. (laughs) (laughs) That's all on next week's episode of Let's Chat Cash. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And if you fancy being extra generous, I'd love it if you gave this a rating and review as it really helps spread the word of the podcast. Cheers and I'll see you next time.